You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Start of a new week, Monday, April the 24th. We begin the program today with the sad news coming to us from Australia of the death of the hugely popular rider, Dean Holland. For more on that, we'll cross now to Channel 7's Jason Richardson. Well, he was just one of the most uh, superb human beings you would ever have the great pleasure of meeting. He wasn't the best jockey in the world. He won a couple of group ones. They were a decade apart. But it wasn't about that. It was the the smile on his face that he always had each and every week that he went to the races and he he rode uh, far and wide. He was one of those jockeys that have saddle, will travel. He leaves behind four young kids. It's just a tragic tale. His uh, horse veered to the inside at race number one at Donald, which is a couple of hours out of Melbourne, a fairly remote and small racetrack in a provincial racetrack. He was riding for uh, Tony and Calvin McAvoy and uh, clipped heels with the leader and uh, he came down and uh, suffered uh, life-ending injuries. And I'm sure that the everyone in the racing industry, but especially the jockeys, will be totally and utterly numb today because they've lost a great human being. And it was only six weeks ago that your audience may remember that we were just marvelling in the fact that he finally got an opportunity due to a fall from Jamie Carr. So Jamie fell on a Newmarket Handicap Day, which is like the Melbourne Cup for the sprinters here in Australia, a big group one. Jamie fell and she couldn't take the ride on in secret. And James Cummings, Godolphin's trainer, looked around the room and there was one guy that could ride at uh, 50 kilos and it was Dean Holland and they sat down and Dean had won a Group 1 a decade earlier in the uh, Australasian Oaks and James Cummings and Dean Holland sat down and plotted a path where In Secret could show her brilliance and uh, he did not put a foot wrong on the favourite and she streaked away for a, a famous uh, couple of length victory in that big Group 1 and James Cummings said that, uh, you know, he handled the pressure incredibly and... And then the doors were just starting to open up for Dean. He was starting to get opportunities from other big stables and he went to the races today and said goodbye to his wife and kids and tragically for them, their dad and their husband hasn't come home. Channel 7's Jason Richardson on the tragic death of Dean Holland at the age of 35. So on today's show, we are going to bring you a roundup of what's been happening over the weekend here in the UK, Ireland and further afield. We'll be concentrating on the classic trials from Newbury. Drama at the beginning of the Greenham Stakes with the decanting of jockey Frankie Dottori from Chaldean, who was one of the leading fancies for the 2000 Guineas. He still is. He ran loose. That race went the way of Brian Meehan's Isaac Shelby. We'll also be talking to the owner-breeder of the winner of the Phillies trial, the 1,000 Guineas trial, the Dubai Duty Free Fred Darling, Julian Richmond-Watson, who's bred several generations of the family that has now produced the very exciting Remarque. Will she be streetwise enough, I wonder, to take a classic 
in her stride against the likes, potentially, of Tahira and Meditate. And it won't be long after the Guineas until we're concentrating fully on Royal Ascot. With that in mind, Wesley Ward, American trainer who's had so much success at Ascot, joins us to talk about the latest two-year-old rocket by Curlin out of his dual Ascot heroine, Lady Aurelia. Uh, This is a horse you will be hearing an awful lot more of in the next few weeks. And with a Kentucky Derby, less than two weeks away now, in the build-up to the run for the Roses, we'll be focusing on one set of connections each and every day. And today, Frank Fletcher, a veteran owner, uh, extraordinary career in, in business, talks to us about his Derby dream with Rocket Can. All that to look forward to. But of course, this week is Punchestown week. It is the final fling, the last hurrah, the great staging post of the National Hunt season in Ireland. And in recent seasons, it has simply become one man's stage. And this year, more than any other, it looks as though it is going to be, albeit a sellout, a one-man show. Willie's one-man show. Jane Mangan, RTE broadcaster, will be there all week. Jane, are you looking forward to Punchestown in light of the likely dominance of one outfit? I absolutely am. I love Punchestown. When I was riding, I had a lot of luck there. I love the track. I like the atmosphere. And now as somebody who gets to talk about the racing there, uh, I think it is genuinely a nice hurrah, last hurrah for everybody to, to go out with a bang in usually pleasant weather. Hopefully uh, the sunshine sticks around. It has been blissful over here this weekend. But you mentioned the strength of Willie Mullins at the top of the show it is very much the Willie Mullins Festival. Uh, Nicky Henderson, tongue-in-cheek before Cheltenham, mentioned that the Dublin Racing Festival was uh, the Willie Mullins uh, meeting. But I, I would venture to say that he has made this his own uh, in recent years. Lis- listen to these numbers and see if you can comprehend them. In the last 10 years of the Punchestown Festival, the last 10 renewals of the Punchestown Festival, Willie Mullins has won no less than 72 grade one races to put that into context Gordon Elliott has won nine Henry de Bromhead has won six in the last ten that is quite frankly staggering there will be 12 grade ones run over the week 3.5 million euros up for grabs but Willie Mullins 1.8 million euro clear at the top of the trainers championship he will collect a 17th trainers title on Saturday and before then he will sweep many of those grade ones I cannot think of such dominance in any major racing nation under under any code as what as what we're experiencing at, at the moment. The question is, to what extent does that render this week a little hollow? It does make it disinteresting to a lot of people from the outside looking in for the person who will just watch RTE racing for the weekend they mightn't have watched racing since the Dublin Racing Festival in February they're going to ask well why is it interesting when it's Willie Mullins beating himself well the only way we can the media make it interesting is we have to focus on the horses and that he does run his good horses against each other but the nature of the beast is that on day one for which we have declarations right now he has 11 of the declarations of the 17 runners in the three grade ones 17 will run in the three grade ones he will saddle 11 
He's had nine grade one winners at the last two Punchestown festivals. His best total for the week was back in 2021, where he accumulated 19 individual winners. So it's uh, it's quite just the numbers are incredible. A lot of people will say it might take from the festival itself. But if we look at it in uh, the wider landscape of Irish racing and Irish trainers, I have a question for you, Nick. Go on. How many National Hunt trainers in Ireland have trained 15 or more winners in this country this season? Okay, 15 or more winners, one five or more winners in Ireland this season. So Mullins, yes. Elliot, yes. De Bromhead, yes. There's three. Um, <laughs> now I'm trying to think of the rest. He might have trained more than 15 winners. You have an entire year. 15 winners to you and me doesn't sound like an awful lot you know there are no there i'd are, say okay racing i would say i don't know 20 so there are 13 individual trainers who have managed to train 15 or more winners all? in this country. and that's that's worrying to me and i'm sure there are many minds far superior than mine who are questioning how they can maybe level the playing field or make this uh, a little less sloped than it is and I for a long time and I do believe that he's superior and we all need to to, to reach his standard reach his level as Gordon Elliott nearly did a couple of years ago he went into the Punchestown Festival leading him on prize money but came out almost a million in deficit but at the moment it's a one-way street all of the all of the traffic Traffic is headed to Clasutton and we're going to see much more of that this week just look at 2023 alone Eight winners of the 14 races run at the Dublin Racing Festival. We know he had six winners at Cheltenham. And across the three days at Fairy House, he had 10 winners, including, of course, the Irish Grand National. Much more of that to be on the menu this week. Yeah. I mean, these staging posts, these big festivals, they are just increasingly dominated by, by one man. But that could be interrupted if Brave Man's game is to take his revenge on Galapan Deschamps. From their meeting in the Gold Cup, you're thinking, well, is Brave Man's game going to run, going to be allowed to run, given the John Dance uh, co-owner controversy of the last fortnight, three weeks? Well, I've communicated with Paul Nichols and said, is Brave Man's game still a possible? And he said he's not been told otherwise. I said, they've surely got to give you a steer one way or the other. He said, if I don't hear anything, I'm going to declare the horse for Wednesday's Gold Cup. And he said, the way mine are running, I need to run the horse. And it will make it 10 times more interesting if he does go. So he'll declare this morning if he can, if, if he can, if he can. And then we wait to see whether he's told to take the horse out or not, Jane. I'm pretty confused by this situation now. But for the sake of sport, it would be great to see him running. It would. Let's just pretend that he is running at the moment before Dex. There are only six left in contention for the Ladbrokes Punchstown Gold Cup with a purse of over €170,000. We know Envoy Allen is a likely contender against Gallup and Deschamps. We know that Shark Cannon is planning to run Hewick. But ultimately, Brave Man's game is the horse that's most likely to give the Gold Cup hero something to think about. He ran a serious race at Cheltenham. Paul Nichols has won this race in the past with good horses but arguably this would be one of the best horses he's ever brought but in my head I can't help but feel that this is a case of nobody is working over the weekend and Paul Nichols is getting you radio silence because nobody's going to tell him because they're not at work let's just refresh our minds to what the BHA statement 
Parliament read pre-entry, quote, in light of new information, including a court order provided to the BHA on the 12th of April, the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority, Brave Man's Game is no longer allowed to take part at entry. I don't see why, personally, how that court order would allow him to run a Punchestown. Yes. If, if that asset or if that jointly owned asset is still under the control of forces who are not John Dance or indeed the other owner, Brian Drew or Paul Nichols, then surely it doesn't matter whether the race is in Britain or Ireland. But we don't know the nature of the correspondence that took place between the FCA and the BHA. The detail was so sketchy. So who knows if he does run, as I say, it'll be it'll be good for the sport. If, if for nothing else, and indeed Nichols' horses are running extremely well. He won just about everything at air. He couldn't, however, Jane win the Scottish National, which was a victory for for Kitty's Light, a very popular uh, horse. Kitty's Light's trainer, Christian Williams' daughter, was diagnosed with leukaemia during Cheltenham week. Clearly, everybody in racing's thoughts are with him and his and his partner Charlotte and their family at what's a, a, a extraordinarily difficult time. Uh, as for Kitty's Light himself, he is a a little warrior. He really is, and he put up a magic performance. He 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 benefits from those fences not being too big, and he having ran such a good race behind his stable companion last year when my wings, um, Jack Tudor got it absolutely spot on to beat Cooper's Cross at Air. But he's he's a a real genuine horse. He's obviously very sound. Uh, I, I believe bought by J D Moore to contest flat races because he's by Nathaniel, of course, Edward refused to bend mare. But he's now winning uh, the Premier. Handicaps over four miles over fences. It, it, it is another example of, of Christian Williams targeting a big race and, and getting the goods over over long distance. It was for for them as a family. Jack Tudor spoke phenomenally well immediately after crossing the line, thinking of, of, of Williams' family rather than himself. Uh, I thought it was a measure of him, not only of, of his riding ability, but of his character. Don't you think Jack Tudor is an inspired signing by David Pipe for next season as well? experienced enough in big races but still very young future laid out before him pretty fearless lots of innate talent and probably just caught him at the right time for a for a stable that's sort of back on the up a little bit yeah there's a lot of young talent coming through on both sides of of, of the Irish Sea I've uh, been watching from the very beginning Jack Tudor and Connor Brace started to come along together and um both have taken taken opportunities with both hands this guy He's uh, he's got no fear and he's got a good head. So I'd imagine if he has the rub of the green, he has a huge future, provided now that he has the quality of horses behind him as well. Jane, the other feature of the Scottish National, of course, was the presence of Animal Rising once again before the race. They were uh, brought to book pretty quickly and the race went off uh, to time. So second consecutive week where protests have either disrupted or threatened to disrupt a major horse race. We've spoken about the likelihood of this happening through the year. It is significant. Any possibility of the unthinkable that Orla Coughlin, Animal Rising and others could um, infiltrate Punchestown this week? Uh, every chance. Um, it's disappointing. I, I uh, like most people, have no issue with a peaceful protest. What's disappointing is it's a blatant criminal activity that is happening this disruption this uh, illegal activity so i was disappointed to see it at air and i think would be naive to um to not not expect it but not be aware that it is a very uh, likely possibility at uh, ireland's premier national meeting
Uh, to what extent is there concern in Ireland along the same lines as in Britain? We've always made this assumption, perhaps lazily, that well, it'll never be a problem in Ireland. You know, th- th- this is a this is a country that you know is is obsessed with horse racing. It's the the country, perhaps in the world, where horse racing closest to to the to the popular culture to you know to to the psyche of of all generations, not not just the the older generation. To what extent do we need to move away from that thought process and realize that? That the, the the threats to horse racing are are just as real in Ireland as we discussed with the you know University College Cork uh, ban on the promotion of horse racing. Well, I do believe Ireland is still very much the the land of the horse, but lest we forget that most people now live in urban areas, and as you say, you you mentioned the the UCC uh, racing or the UCC student union uh, vote and uh, a number of other factors, but. Uh, the world is moving in a direction that is challenging us, and Ireland is no different. We might be a little bit behind you, but we're on the way. Uh, and with the likelihood of a of a Sinn Fein government, is that likely to to intensify that? Um, I, if, it's funny you say the likelihood of a Sinn Fein government. Um, I'd imagine their polls might have taken a hit or two last week with the. Uh, the acquittal of Jerry the Monkutch, but that's a, a whole different podcast, Nick. I do think if they got into power, it would be a worry. Jane, I want to talk about the Guineas trials over the weekend, the Greenham and the Fred Darling chiefly at Newbury. Now, the Greenham, Chaldean, who was the hot favourite, Dewhurst winner last season, he unseated Frankie Dettori at the start, having jinked sharply left. Uh, not really an awful lot anyone could do about that. The horse is fine, the rider's fine, and on they have to roll to the Guineas. To what extent is that going to be detrimental to his chances in the Guineas, do you think, in your opinion? He's had uh, a day travelling. He's had a gallop without a jockey. You can see how genuine he was as he went uh, straight and through all the way across the line. I don't think it'll have a detrimental effect. The fact that he didn't do anything untoward uh, when he was loose is the main thing. Obviously, Andrew Balling would have liked to have Frankie's feedback uh, uh, after riding the race but ultimately I don't think it's a terribly negative effect I will say that I was pleasantly surprised with Isaac Shelby uh, I'm a little bit guilty of underestimating some superlative winners uh, sometimes that race is just one that I forget about um, but he was a very impressive winner uh, of course he was probably aided by the loose horse keeping him company all the way up to straight tree length winning margin suggests uh, that he was quite impressive anyway but uh, I'm delighted for Brian Meehan and uh, the Sangster family they've got a really good horse in their hands now because I underestimate estimated him before the week again but certainly not going into the classic yeah and the fact that roger varian says that his runner-up in the greenham charin will now join his more fancied sakir in that race we talked a lot about sakir's uh, suspect stamina on the podcast last week suggests that isaac shelby might have posted a performance that it would be dangerous to underestimate and the demands of longchamp's mile will perhaps be more suitable for him according to the trainer the new market new market will certainly be the destination for the Fred Darling winner, the Dubai Duty Free Fred Darling winner, a Rimake from a wonderful family of Julian Richmond Watsons. We'll hear from the owner breeder in a moment, but Jane, your assessment of her performance. Straight in from her maiden, quite wayward, a little bit green as we could see she was leaning left uh, as she approached the final furlong. Um, if she'd ran straight and true, she'd have been all the more impressive swing along made the made the pace set a, a solid pace under Clifford Lee uh, was there to be shot at she ran a very good race in third but I would say that there's a lot of improvement to come mentally 
from uh, the winner listening to Rafe Beckett on your show on Sunday. Uh, the maybe application of a sheepskin noseband just to get her to look down. And of course, not forgetting the Rob Hornby dropped his stick. All of those things acting against her. I'd imagine there's a lot of improvement to come. Well, her victory, another triumph for the breeding operation of Julian Richmond Watson, who only has a handful of mares and has produced a classic winner and multiple stakes winners from this pedigree. Who knows? This might be the best one yet. I spoke to him last night, asked him where it all started. I bought Danny a darts, who was there originally, and uh, she, she produced Last Look, who never ran, um, and was slightly crooked and was by Rainbow Quest. And I... We decided we, we'd, we'd get a couple of foals out of her and see how she went, and um, and, and we went from we went, it went from there. They, all the foals came out correct, and and uh, we've never really looked back. And um, but it, uh, the the look, I mean, look here and look so I like chalk and cheese. They never look the same. Uh, look 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 here is um, was a, was a fine a, a, quite a light animal, whereas um, looks there was quite a big strong. Uh, fitted by uh, officio and nothing like as good uh, and look look and and look so is the grand dam of of remarque now uh, rafe beckett was telling me yesterday that this this might very nearly not have happened just 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 tell us the story of how how look so nearly found her way into other hands well look so was actually with a another fitter. there were two fitters one called care who won the linkfield oaks trial and uh, they had a girl looking after them who uh, put the saddle on and corrected for several several days in a row until they got really bad saddle sores, um, and they had to come home. And uh, luckily, Kea re- recovered and was able to actually go out and win as a two-year-old. But Luxo couldn't go back as a, as a two-year-old. Went back as a three-year-old. Um, she she ran. A, uh, she she's there. She she won at a hundred to one at uh, Newbury. Um, she ran badly at Kempton first time out. One at. Uh, at Newbury at 100 to 1 I'll never have another 100 to 1 winner in a maiden race there then went off and won a handicap or two and then lost her way so I took her home and said to Rafe stick her in the out of training sales uh, I suppose she wasn't in the yard they forgot about it when they did the entries and so she never got entered and uh, so I sent her back I said to Rafe well that's too bad you'll have to have her back as a four year old he had her back as a four year old she won her first two races uh, moderately racing off about 75 or 80 in handicaps and then her sister at the same time her sister came along and and won the Oaks so she stayed with us (laughs) very very timely and of course if her sister hadn't won the Oaks at that point she'd have ended up going to the going to the July sale probably Um, Remarque looks to have real quality and, and potential star quality as well I know you're a realist Julian you've seen it all but how excited are you by what you saw on Saturday I was and I, I, I've been with Rafe pretty well since he started and when he rang me up on tu- last Tuesday and said she's done a really good bit of work um, I think she's she, she's very competitive in, in the Fred Darling I, I know what that means that means we are very competitive and um, she's very green you could all see twice when Rob Hornby pulled her out she 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 sort of pulled out too far each time to, to come round horses and so I just hope she's learnt enough because the Rolly Mile um, is, is going to be a, a pretty tough race. There's always a lot of runners in the 1,000 guineas. And I just hope that she can, she's learned a bit to go, how, how to go straight from now on. And Kingman's been a, a bit of a star for you because he's clearly put a bit of brilliance into this, a uh, very classy family. And he put a bit of brilliance in when you when you bred Kin, Kin Ross, who's just kept going on and on and on and on you know, in, the, in the Colours of Mark Chan. 
yes, from, from the, the other line I have, what I call the, the Kayleigh House line. But um, yes, he's been fantastic and he's been a, a great servant to, to them. Um, it's a pity they had to geld him to get him there, but uh, uh, you know he, he did me very well. Uh, so unfortunately, you know, he was running as a three-year-old in the COVID year, so we really never quite got in the right place with him at the right time. And I suspect that was our, our downfall in a way that we probably over-faced over, over, um, him originally. And of course, he's turned out to be a seven-furler horse, and we were running over a mile. And I think that in a, in a group one mile, if you don't get it, you don't get it, and then and, and and you'll find out. Julian Richmond Watson, though, who's a remarque, is now a shorter six to one for the 1,000 guineas in a couple of weeks' time. Rafe Beckett, the trainer, might have three in it. As I was saying, he could have Lazoo. He was also recommending people back Juliet Sierra at 50 to 1 on Luck on Sunday yesterday, a show on which he mentioned Hascoy, who could yet renew rivalry with Emily Dickinson in the Gold Cup at Ascot. Phillies, perhaps, going head to head in that race. Emily Dickinson, who won in Ireland over the weekend for Aidan O'Brien. What do you make of that, Jane? Yeah, it's interesting. Ten years on from estimate um, that two fillies would step forward. I'm sure there are Colts that will make their claim as well. But French claim having won on debut was no match for Emily Dickinson. Uh, uh, having had the benefit of the run, it was impressive for the filly to pull away. Now, Emily Dickinson is by Dubawi. You think, geez, cup horses, really? But Chiquita, Chiquita's the dam. Won the Oaks, mad as a brush. Uh, she stays very well. She's not the most robust or big filly uh i don't think i recall bally doyle um earmarking a filly as their number one cup horse for the year but of course we did mention the kipriosis sidelined she was impressive in the vintage crop which is usually the starting point for aiden's uh, top stairs yates has used it leading light has used it and kipriosis of course last year went that path so let's see i i, I think she's quite good I didn't expect her to be a real cup horse, but this was a mile and six on heavy ground. And she wasn't stopping when she hit the line. Well, in case uh, you needed any any geeing up for, for Royal Ascot, you only needed to watch American Rascal winning um, the other day at Keeneland over four and a half furlongs to, to start getting the juices flowing. Um, by curling, out of the brilliant Lady Aurelia running in their colours, the yellow and uh, Maroon of Stone Street, trained, of course, by Wesley Ward. And we'll listen, Wesley, we, we do this every year. We say, oh, this two-year-old looked amazing, blah, blah. And, you know, we, we, know how the, we know how the movie normally ends, but the movie doesn't normally start quite like this. Th- this was pretty ridiculous. Um, was this everything you expected? Well, you know, obviously with the breeding and pedigree that he has, he came to us highly regarded as well as Ian Brennan at Barbara's Farm Stone Street Training Center there. He, you know, said he was really, really forward and just, you know, um, so we, it, when we got him in, he was a little green. I, you know, I take him to various different locations to kind of, just like a kid, you know, when if you take, if they stay in one, one spot, one school, one town as opposed to another kid that travels around the world or around uh, to different places they just it kind of opens our eyes up a little bit and this guy a little bit the same way when he got down to south florida i had him initially at payson park which uh and then we took him down to palm meadows and then we got him up to kentucky and we had him at keeneland we took him to turfway park for the synthetic just a bunch of different places to do little eighth of a mile quarter of a mile speed works and you could tell that 
each and every workout, his his mind just started to come together along with his physical attributes, which he's built. In America here, we have quarter horse racing. That's the way he looks. He's just speed on yeah. speed and muscle on muscle. So. Yeah, that's the that's the thing because he's you know he's basically by a really really good middle distance horse in Curlin, a champion and and out of a very very brilliant sprinter in in Lady Aurelia, you know one a dirt horse, the other a turf horse. So just watching, I'm watching it as I'm talking to you now. I'm watching that last furlong again. He's a sprinter. He the the, the fast twitch of his muscles is extraordinary. And and Joao Rosario, who rides for me here, and and he's just amazing when he rides these two year olds because they break good. And then he knows what he has underneath him as he's breezed the horse multiple times in Florida. Um, he takes a hold of him and lets the other horse go on. And so he gets him to kind of halfway switch off, you know, a little bit part of the race. And then when they turn for home, he lets him go and away he went. And then he eased him up at the finish. And he's he's such a tremendous jockey. Um, when he when he rode No Nay Never in the Norfolk for me, you know, he kind of broke a little slow and kind of got him going out of there. And then he gave him a little breather in the race. And so when he when we got back to the winner's circle, I zeroed in on No Name Never saying, Joel, this is what we want. The same thing. Let him break and get him back and then and then let him go. So, you know, I mean, it, you know, hopefully it all comes together. It's just so nice to have another Royal Ascot super prospect like this coming up, you know, uh, in, in a short time span. As we're getting older, you know, in the snap of a finger, that's how fast time goes. We'll be there. Yeah, uh, 2009, your first Royal Ascot winner. Uh, this horse will be favoured, I'm sure, in the in the Norfolk Stakes. That'll be the target for him. Uh, this stage, how many do you think you're going to bring this year? Well, I got a couple running here. Uh, we we have yet to have a turf race, um, and we've only had a handful of of dirt races in America for two year olds. So we have our first two turf races here um on thursday and friday i'm really really excited for them i got some really really good turf prospects in 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 each division one philly and one colt so we'll have to see how how they come out of the race and hopefully they'll they'll have a good showing i mean you know i me i'm always positive but but these couple that i run here they they're showing great promise have they got turf pedigrees as well they do they do so i'm i'm real excited for these ones uh um a um, gun runner but uh, I breezed her on the grass down which he's a phenomenal sire as, as you know in, in America he's probably a little foreign to uh, European pedigrees and or um, fans over there but he's just unbelievable sire that we have here and he's he she's gonna run on Friday and uh, she's had some great workouts down in South Florida on the grass we're looking forward to seeing it um, as for this horse American Rascal I what do you think about curling on the turf? You know, um, we've had him as well on the grass, and he showed uh, an affinity for the grass as well. So he's he can be a little ambivalent on both surfaces. So I, I, I really look forward to getting him on it. Uh, we'll have multiple works here at Keeneland going into it. They're so gracious to let us on, especially with a colt like this, to keep him sound going up forward to this. But this colt, the, the thing about him, is, you know, you're always trainers all over the world. You know, when they get an early two-year-old, you're always fighting shins. You know, you're always having to worry about them. And, you know, if they go a little too fast and they're coming back with a little shin, this guy's just dead sound. He's got big, strong, heavy bones to him. And he's never had any physical issues, not even a hint of a shin. So I really look forward to putting him back onto the grass when we start our speed works here in a couple of weeks, preparing for Ascot. But, you know, he's, he's, he's just a phenomenal horse. 
Well, today we begin our Kentucky Derby build-up in earnest with a story every day brought to you in association with Qatar Racing. I'm very pleased to welcome to the podcast for the first time leading racehorse owner Frank Fletcher. And if you're not familiar with Frank, you'll be familiar with many of his horses because they all carry either the rocket or rocket, depending on what gender they are, prefix or suffix, named for his first and beloved dog, more of whom in a moment. Frank has rocket can in the derby, trained by Bill Mott, who was quite complimentary about the way the horse worked in blinkers at Churchill Downs yesterday morning, and Rocket Can comes off the back of a fourth-place finish in the Arkansas Derby at Oaklawn Park, prior to which he'd been a very good second to Kentucky Derby favourite Forte in the Fountain of Youth Stakes at Gulfstream, and Frank is with me now. Frank, you've been owning horses now for over three decades. Just give us a flavour of how excited you are to be to be entering the Derby with a with a live one. Well, it's it's uh, it's kind of unreal. Uh, you know, it's like it's it's not really happening until somebody assures you it is happening. So it's it's pretty exciting. We have we have been lucky to be in a, in quite a few Breeders' Cups and uh, certainly a lot of big races. But uh, you know, you never think about. A horse that's just there's so many things as you know from injuries to you know the wrong race or something happened during a race so always something happens to keep you from having a horse in the kentucky derby so really and truly that's not on my mind in the spring of the year but uh when we won the holy bull in florida it was one of the most exciting uh races that i've ever been involved in because we weren't we weren't picked to win that and so it was uh it was just unbelievable. And then uh, we ran second to Forte, who's who's maybe one will be the leading horse in the Kentucky Derby. We were really uh, we ran a good race against him. So, you know, I think that our horse is going to be competitive. I suppose what what gives you most hope is is the extra distance, isn't it? I I, I read a quote from your trainer, the brilliant Bill Mott, uh, today, saying, "I feel the horse hasn't quite learned yet to give everything." Um, are you hopeful that the longer the distance, the harder the race, the more he'll dig in? Well, Bill Mott says that we haven't seen the best of him yet. And uh, so he he's pretty excited about being in this race. And he thinks that the, the horse is uh, improving and, and getting stronger. And uh, we, think the, we think the blinkers are going to really really make a difference uh i didn't see the time from yesterday's work but the week before he worked at 46 seconds which was two seconds too fast but he had the blinkers on for the first time in that work frank for those uh, of my listeners who who aren't familiar with your your way into into the sport of horse racing just just tell them how how it all began and, and a little bit about your own your own business background well i'm from arkansas born here uh, I started racing in 1989. I bought a $5,000 claimer, and I was lucky enough to have uh, a trainer named Bob Holtus, who was pretty famous in Arkansas, and we had a young jockey named Jerry Bailey, who now is in the Hall of Fame and I think will be on the NBC Network. Jerry Bailey was my first jockey on my first horse. We won a $5,000 race, and I was hooked. Uh, so that that's a long time ago, and... and uh, as time's gone on, we've tried to step up our game, and you've you've done so with with great success. How how many horses do you, do you have in training now? 
we probably have racing and and in training between about 15 to 20 horses so it's a it's a good size string you're attacking some of the biggest races you've had some great trainers now just tell us a bit more about the rocket the rocket prefix and, and suffix that's been that's been very lucky to you and, and is a an emblem of your your love of the animal all told well i love my dogs and i started uh my first dog about 30 years ago and i when the dog died i was really really troubled and hurt and i never wanted another dog so uh the veterinarian that tried to save my first dog came by and brought me a, a second German Shepherd, long-haired German Shepherd. And I said, man, I don't want that dog. That hurt too bad. He said, well, just keep him overnight. I'll come by and pick him up tomorrow. So that turned out to be Rocket 2. And uh, he lived for 11 years. And now I'm on Rocket 3, who's nine years old. So all of the German Shepherds, uh, we're at 30 years now from the first one. But uh, he he sits by me in my office every day, rides with me in my car, and spends his life with me. And and uh, so I think about I think about dogs. I love dogs in general, and I love my rockets. And then a few years ago, I started racing fillies and uh, started naming them Rocket. And we have a filly now that's six years old. That's that's uh, pretty well known. Her name is Frank's Rocket. You know, at least when people see the rockets running, <laughs> the, the, of course, there's some that don't belong to me, but I get a lot of phone calls and is that rocket going to win or is that rocket going to win today? So it's been a lot of fun. But, uh, Nick, we're having a hard time coming up with new names. We, we've passed number 84 now. So you've done, you've had 84 rockets or rockets. Yes. <laughs> so this one is Rocket Can. Uh, let, let's hope he can. Um, just to, uh, when we when we met before, one thing that really struck me was how the the the, the hometown where where you're from and, and your local area, the people have, have really got behind the, the the whole racing venture. Just just tell me a little bit more about about that area and about 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 your your upbringing there and, and how you've kind of really you've really got the kind of local community behind the behind the, the racing venture. Well, here in Arkansas, we're in the deep south. And uh, we have one of the best tracks or most well-known tracks in the United States with uh, Oplon in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And so I've been going there since since I was a, a youngster. I grew up on a farm here and, uh, you know, drove the tractor and worked in the cotton gin and, and had a great life as, a, as an adopted kid and uh, grew up on a great, great, with a great family. And... Uh, decided that i wanted to get off the farm because it started too early in the morning for me so i went to college at the university of arkansas and then i got out of school went in the army and then um and then i decided i'd be a salesman so i met a guy named sam walton and i started selling walmart when they very first started so that that was my start and, and did you have any idea when you met Sam Walton what Sam Walton would become? Could you did you have any inkling what that whole what that whole you know beast would turn into? Well, I don't say I had a had an idea, but uh, I, I knew it was. I was calling a lot of different uh, retailers like like Mister Walton's uh, company. And I knew he was quite different, and so we really didn't have any money and. Uh, when his when his public when his company went public, 
we 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 mortgaged everything we had, sold our car, we bought Walmart stock, and just to give you a little idea, when it first came out, every ten thousand dollars turned into a million in a very short time, and the stock kept splitting and splitting and splitting. So uh, that gave us our start. And I guess when you've done that. You don't, you know, if you, you just don't have the personality or the temperament to, to rest on your laurels and say, well, I've done enough. You've kind of got to think of the next thing and the next challenge and the next thing that's going to give you a kick and enjoyment. And I guess that's just the way you're, you're made, the way you're wired. Well, you, you learn to be competitive. You know, I think the harder the work, the more competitive you, you are. When I say competitive, I wake up every day and decide, you know, what can I do? what can I do better today than I did yesterday? And and that's what gives you the drive to, uh, now I'm in the automobile business, but it's, uh, you know, I spent 25 or 30 years going back and forth overseas to China and had manufacturing companies over there. And, and, uh, so it's, it's been a good ride, but horse racing is, uh, is my, I don't hunt or fish uh, and I don't play golf. So you, know, you gotta have something to, drive you on, on the outside of work and, and horse racing really makes my heart beat fast yeah and I, you know I, when we've met it's always struck me that you know however driven you are in the business world that that horse racing as well as adrenalizing you you can you look at it in quite a kind of um philosophical way as well you 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 take the defeats pretty well well you know nick when i think about it we we as owners we really are cheerleaders. That's all we are. We, we write the checks and you, you got to have a strong constitution to, to buy these animals and knowing it's almost like a lottery. I mean, it's just very, your, your chances are very, very slim to be successful in the horse racing business. But you know, our, my biggest job is to uh, try to choose good trainers and, and then good agents to pick horses. But uh, I think about how little we have to do with the game, uh, except that you know we're not even the coach on the sideline. We we are we're the cheerleaders, and and uh, I you know I wish I had a more direct part of the horse racing business. I'd love to you know be a horse trainer and be out there early in the morning to to see them run, but uh, it, it's quite a thrill to to watch them for a minute, minute and a half, and. And, uh, it's, you know, I had a son who's played, played football and, and when the ball was in the air, it seems like it's a half a minute before it gets to the receiver. It's well, it's the same way watching a horse coming down the stretch. Well, that, and I hope you enjoyed that was Frank Fletcher. And that interview was one of the reasons why I get up and do this podcast every day. What a man. And looking forward to telling you more Kentucky Derby stories during the course of the next couple of weeks. Jane Mangan is still with me. We will be transitioning back to Irish Chum Racing and Point to Pointing in a minute. But first of all, uh, Jane, a nod to Jessica Harrington, who trained a brace of stakes winners over the weekend, which I'm sure will give her great cheer. Yes, absolutely. Look, we're all aware of, of Jessica's own personal issues at the minute, but she will have got a good boost from Ocean Quest pulling clear in the committed stakes. The filly, who was the first two-year-old winner in Ireland last season, uh, came up trumps at 10-1 to 1 to beat the disappointing 
the Antarctic, the horse that was multiple group one place last year behind his stable mate Blackbeard, he had to settle for third behind Aesop Fables and of course uh, Shane Foley aboard the winner for Jessica. But he wasn't aboard Village Voice in the Salsible Stakes a little bit later on. He was on Finisca in the colours of the, the Nearchus family. Jackie O took the runner-up spot, but Village Voice and Ronan Whelan powered clear on heavy ground over 10 furlongs. The daughter of Zarak threw her hat into the Oaks ring. It looks as though uh, the issues that that continue surrounding whether um, underwriters will will ensure uh, Irish point to points have been resolved for the time being, Jane, which will be reassuring. Yes, that is a relief because a number of fixtures, including Stolen, Stradbally, Two Days of Ballingarry, Grennan, they were all um, waiting to hear if they were going to suffer the same fate as Monks Grange, who was which was lost um, for this weekend. There was a dual meeting held on Friday uh, earlier than scheduled uh, in order to beat the expiration of their current um, policies. And this is just, I, I get the feeling, Nick, that this is just pushing, uh, kicking the can a little bit further down the road until ultimately we're going to come to to a crunch. Uh, Mark Costello wrote a very thought-provoking piece in the Irish field on Saturday. He mentioned if you if you take into account a number of scenarios in your head, if you assumed that that policy was not renewed or extended, uh, considering that uh, the Cork Watford circuit and Northern Irish circuit both would be allowed to continue under their own policies, would you have a scenario where the Midlands would try and host uh, a number of, of fixtures in their jurisdictions. Well, if you if you did that, you'd jeopardise their own policies because you'd be asking their insurers to re-examine those policies. And then he concludes his piece with a number, and this has crossed my own mind, if I'm honest. One option that may need to be explored in the future is whether the insurance policy that covers point-to-points does not cover hunting that you that you split the two because currently hunting and point points can come under the same policy umbrella but the real question there is if hunting turns out to be no longer viable because you cannot get insurance then it raises the question why would hunts continue to voluntarily run point points and that's very close to home for me here because we host one in february at tallow every february and we rely heavily on the local community and people who are involved with hunting to help erect the course, to tidy up afterwards, to uh, park the cars, to collect the tickets, all of those jobs that need doing. It's it's It, it takes a village to make these things happen. And uh, I, 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 I am absolutely thrilled that we have now got policies to get us to the end of this season, which is virtually just a month left in it anyway. But there are serious questions to be raised going forward. And what does the landscape look like 10 years from now? I think it'll look very different, but I don't know how it's going to happen. All right, Jane, uh, very important to to highlight this issue, which is the the bedrock of of Irish jump racing, really. So we end this uh, podcast where we began it um, via Air Newbury, Kentucky and Arkansas. Right, where are you where are you landing us? Who's going to win today? I am going to I'm going back to the flat. Um there's a there's a meeting at Nace today. 
Uh, Tenebrism should win the Woodland Stakes. She'll be a very short odds for that. But I'm going for the, the 7-10. It's a 10 furlong, three-year-old Phillies maiden. And I think as a Zat, having been third behind Boogie Woogie and save the last dance at Leopardstown, uh, I think as a Zat for Dermot Weld and the Aga Khan can take a step forward in the 7-10 at Nice. Jane, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Monday, April the 24th. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.